Blog Talk Radio. Tonight, as we get you set for the one and only Hell in a Cell pregame. As you get, blah, this is the pregame. Get you set for the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. Thank you all for tuning in. Check us out on Facebook. That is Facebook.com slash The Ken Reedy Show. Again, Facebook.com slash The Ken Reedy Show. Check us out on Twitter. Our handle is at The Ken Reedy Show. And our website is thekenreedyshow.com. You can check us out on all of those platforms. Be sure to head over to the Facebook page. we got a show chat going on right there. Uh, later on, we'll have a pay-per-view chat on the uh, Facebook page. And we also have a raw chat each and every Monday night, only on the Facebook page. Head on over there. Like us. Get involved in the chat. We are also, our, our project that we've been involved in uh, over the course of this year, 1640 PW. PR again that is 1640 PWPR the best in pro wrestling talk right over there because you got us and that's the best but you also got some of the close to the best podcasts in the world of professional wrestling uh the King Firehawk show uh, the cool down with AC that image guy uh lots of great shows over there so check us out it's real easy go to iTunes do a search for 1640 PWPR. You can hit subscribe. It is free to subscribe. And then you're subscribing to all these great podcasts as far as the world of professional wrestling. So be sure to get on board with that. And if you think you've got what it takes to be part of the 1640 family, well, and send us uh, you know, a sample of your audio and uh, we'll see if you got what it takes. And uh, perhaps you can be part of the 1640 family as well. Again, that is 1640 PWPR. Subscribe on iTunes. And uh, um, if I can be serious for a moment, um, I just, uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, you know, unfortunately this past Monday we wound up canceling uh, the show because I, I, unfortunately I lost someone, uh, a very close friend and coworker, uh, passed away suddenly last Sunday night and uh very difficult. It's been a pretty difficult week uh getting through all this. Um and uh I just wanted to say thank you uh to those members of the TKRS family uh that sent emails and, and well wishes and uh 
sent their best and then good thoughts uh, as far as what I was going through uh, over the course of this week. It, it has been a very difficult week, uh, but I got to say those people who uh, are in the family uh, that uh, threw their support our way, it definitely helped uh, get me through this week. And, uh, you know, I've always said, uh, you know, there are shows out there that uh, they call their fan base uh, nations. You have nations, you have universes, you have all this stuff out there. And uh, a little while ago, we decided that uh, we were going to call our fan base uh, the family. And, uh, you know, it really feels like that when you guys come out here and uh, throw your well wishes and support in my direction. So I thank you. Uh, I'm doing all right. I'm I'm getting by it. It's day by day. Again, it's been tough. Uh, But uh, with your support, you guys have made it a lot easier. And I, I sincerely and truly thank you guys. And uh, as we get set, as I try to make that really smooth transition into talking about uh, Hell in a Cell, the WWE pay-per-view, you know, honestly, when you're going through something like that, uh, it does really help to have uh, a distraction. And, uh, you know, the Mets helped me through the week a lot this week. And uh, tonight, I'm going to get my mind off things, get into a WWE mindset, get set for Hell in a Cell. Um, and we're going to get you set for Hell in a Cell because you know each and every month we give you this pregame show. We give you opinions, speculation, and predictions. And there's so much to get through in tonight's pay-per-view. I would not be able to do it without my tag team partner who is on the line. Dave, Dave, how are you doing this evening? I'm, I'm doing pretty pretty well. I'm pumped for, uh, for for tonight's show. It looks like it's going to be, I think personally, even though the buildup has been lackluster, Heading into this pay-per-view, I think tonight's show is going to be a really good show, and they're going to be in Los Angeles, uh, you know, the, the Madison Square Garden of the West Coast. The LA crowd gets pretty fired up for WWE, so uh, I, I think we're going to see a really good show tonight. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I think the show is going to be better than the actual buildup of the pay-per-view. So let, hey. I mean, I, I, let's let's get into it. Yeah, because it, it's weird, man, because it seems like that's a running theme uh, as of late, and it, it's, it probably is to a certain extent uh, due to the network and selling the network. Uh, but I feel like over the course of this year, um, a lot of pay-per-views, we wind up discussing about just that, build, lackluster, but we're looking forward to a decent show. Um, and, and I agree with you. I think when, when you look at this, this, uh, this uh, roster on, on paper, uh, this card, I'm sorry, this card on paper, um, I, I just think you're going to have some pretty entertaining matches uh, uh, on tonight's show. But that is definitely, and, and it makes it tough, I think, as a wrestling fan, you know, watching week in and week out. Because I, I, to me, I feel like that's really a running theme right now in the WWE. Lackluster build, but really good pay-per-view events. So hopefully we get a really kick-ass show tonight. Let's get into some of these matches. And, uh, you know, one of the first matches I want to get into is uh, John Cena... The uh, U.S. champ is taking on uh, an individual by the name of TBA. Um, we don't know who TBA is. I'm joking. You know, to be announced. Um, interestingly enough, you know, this is one of those things where I, I think that, that predicting this match, um, you know, there's a lot of moving parts because it's, you know, John Cena is the champ. Uh, is he going to lose the belt? Everyone knows he's going on hiatus. The, the challenger is to be determined, to be announced. Uh, you know, the internet is a swirling. It's swirling with all these rumors. Whether it's, you know, it, it, you heard Daniel Bryan was thrown around today. All sorts of names being thrown out there. So, um, you know, does John Cena 
lose the belt tonight? Does he win and go away so the belt is on the shelf for a little while? Uh, lots of things to speculate surrounding this match, and and least of which that it's John Cena going away, and for better or worse, we know that John Cena is the golden boy of the WWE. He's the man who is slotted into that role, whether it's uh, someone else in the U.S. championship role or they wind up pushing someone else in a different program. Uh, So, I mean, this match right now uh, with John Cena tonight, as much on on paper, Dave, it's simply a U.S. title match, but there's a lot going into it. Oh, there is. I mean, because you you don't know who his opponent is. Um, I remember growing up as a kid uh, watching wrestling and pay-per-views, and there would be those rare occasions where, you know, there would be a mystery partner or a mystery special guest referee or a mystery opponent, and it would would leave you with, you know, enormous amounts of anticipation as to who this individual is going to be heading into the pay-per-view. And then as years have gone on and build up towards pay-per-views, WWE and just the wrestling industry as a whole – would much rather have announced ahead of time some combatants or special referees or what have you, which kind of takes the fun out of the anticipation leading up to it, which I, I thoroughly enjoyed WWE's decision for going this route creatively by having Cena just announce he's having a U.S. Open challenge at the pay-per-view and we don't know who the opponent is which makes for the speculation all that much more fun. And also, at the same time, if it's not the individual that you're hoping for, it could make for the outcome in your mind to be lackluster or just overall shitty, um, if that's what you want to call it. So uh, you, you mentioned Daniel Bryan. That was the name that I brought up on our show two weeks ago. Is, is somebody that wouldn't surprise me. That the, the Internet has been rumbling over his name early today um, in regards to him possibly being en route to Los Angeles. Uh, I think not knowing his his uh, his health situation, he'd be a perfect candidate to slot in and take over this position. But because he's got a shaky history with his health and with concussions, um, you're kind of 50-50 on him right now at this point. Um, Samoa Joe from NXT was mentioned. However, he's unfortunately going to be competing um, at an NXT live event in Sacramento. Um, so he might not be make it in time. James Storm had mentioned on Twitter he's going to be in route to Los Angeles, uh, which he could be trolling everybody uh, to, to, to get more people to watch the network. Um, uh, lots of names have been coming. We talked about it on our show a few weeks ago, Dolph Ziggler, Cesaro. One individual who hasn't been brought up, who's not on the card tonight, um, which wouldn't surprise me if he does answer the challenge, is Dean Ambrose. Um, that tag match was canceled because of an injury with Randy Orton. Um, so it, that could be a slot that they could put Ambrose in, and I think it would help Ambrose if he were given that opportunity um, not only to win the U.S. title but to defeat John Cena and add a notch on his belt because I think in some ways his character does need that. However, um, it wouldn't surprise me either if he's not involved in this match only because um, he may get involved in the Roman Reigns-Bray Wyatt match to counteract the uh, – the rest of the Wyatt family from trying to get involved inside Hell in the Cell. So if you want to expect, if you want to give me a prediction as to who it could be, um, I mean, I'm going to go on a limb and I am going to say Daniel Bryan because his name up until this week has been, he hasn't been mentioned much um, in regards to his health in regards to his status with WWE. So I'm going to see Daniel Bryan is, is the guy to answer the challenge. 
and he's the one to defeat John Cena for the United States title. It's amazing, like with all these moving parts and and you know speculation and everything, that we're actually going to agree on on this. <laughs> but I, I'm right there with you. Um, and here's some of my reasons. I mean, there's so many guys that could, and you're right. Like you know, it would be great for Ambrose. I, I mean, I, I think that. Um, and Dave, you you had brought up the point. I think you brought it up on the show. I know you brought it up in the pre-show. But the John Cena character um, should not leave with the belt. Um, period. Uh, the John Cena character, he's been a fighting champion. For him to uh, disappear holding the U.S. title just makes no sense for, for that character, John Cena. So, to me, he's got to lose tonight. Uh, if he's going away, he's got to lose that belt. Um, you know, now I had said, let, let's go through some of the speculation. I mean, number one, there's a James Storm, which I, I, you know, I would love for that to happen. It would be something so out of left field to see him come down and, and challenge John Cena and, and win the U.S. title in, in you know, uh, in, in dramatic fashion, that would be incredible. However, I do not see a guy who is so closely associated with TNA, who is a TNA character, um, you know, who, who Vince did not build, uh, being able to come in this, this early on and beat John Cena. Totally uh, agree. You know, that that's just, you know, as cool as it would be, I just think Vince McMahon it would be sitting in his office and would, would just like, you know, someone would come in. What do you think of James Storm? And his response, are you effing kidding me? There's no chance. And, again, I think it would be cool. I just think there's no chance that James Storm is the guy to come in and dethrone uh, John Cena. Similarly, uh, you know, I feel the same way about Samoa Joe. I don't think the odds are as much against him because he's been with NXT for a little while. But I still kind of get that sense. You've got to remember that John Cena is the golden boy of the WWE over the past uh, decade plus. They're not going to bring in an entity that is so closely associated with TNA, that was built by TNA, that most people identify as that TNA character. And even as they've been brought to NXT, are still basically that character, not going to knock off John Cena. So... As much as I won't put the odds as as much against uh, Samoa Joe, they're close between Samoa Joe and uh, James Storm. Um, I could see a Dolph Ziggler. I think that would be an interesting choice. Uh, And Ambrose would be an interesting choice. The one thing there, here's the thing with Daniel Bryant, that I I kind of like this decision, and I do think it's it's almost, it's a good way to bring Bryant back, and and it's a good testing ground. Now, I have said from the get-go that I do not put Daniel Bryan close to a title uh, when he comes back because of where he has been with his health. I put him in a different program away from a title belt. Now I'm going to talk out of both sides of my mouth. But here's my point. This is almost like a trial run. This is something where you can almost, because John Cena is going on hiatus and and coming back, if, if, if something happens where Daniel Bryan can't hack it uh, health-wise, John Cena is going to be back in six weeks and he's going to be able to take up the mantle. Um, If Daniel Bryan comes back and he's he's 100% and he's he's back to to form and he can do this and he can, like, honor the open challenge, uh, then more power to Daniel Bryan. So I think it's, it's a good situation for Daniel Bryan and it's good for the WWE. Cena's going to be back. So you can take this entity, this character that was Daniel Bryan, that was so over-the-top popular, you can slot him in here. He's going to get an enormous pop 
if his music hits when John Cena comes down in the ring and say, you know, it, it, you know, you want some, come get some, and Daniel Bryan's music hits, the roof is going to come off that place, and the roof is going to come off that place even more if he's successful in winning that title, and then you have like a trial period. If he can hack it, cool, give him a long-standing run with the U.S. title. If he can't, you got John Cena coming back. You can figure out a way to slot John Cena right back into that spot, and he continues on as 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 he's been, you know, amazing with the U.S. title run. Continues on with his open challenges. So I think it's a really good situation for Daniel Bryan and the WWE coming back from injury. It's it's near perfect for him. So I would see say as far as you know, you want to see something special tonight. Like like we said, Dave, lackluster build. Uh, what what not to? And and again, it's it's one of those things. Why not instead of announcing that Daniel Bryan is going to appear on on Hell in a Cell? But you start to set up that environment. You set up that climate that you need the network. You need to subscribe to that network. You need to fork over that nine 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 a month because you never know what's going to happen. You never know. We're going to throw any surprise we can at you. And we didn't announce it. We didn't spoon feed you. But Daniel Bryan's music hit, and he's there, and he's a U.S. title. And you missed it because you're not subscribing. And, and that's why I think this. all the stars look like they're in alignment. And I, I, I'm right there with you, Dave. Daniel Bryan uh, is, is the challenger. He takes the U.S. title. And, and we're in agreement here. And, and you know, watch. It winds up being Ambrose. But... <laughs> I just, I, I think it's just, it really seems like Dave. As long as his health is all right, all the ducks are in a row. It, it, yeah, you're you're exactly right. It does. I I agree with you to a certain extent that this would be a trial period to to, to test his body and his health out while Cena's out. However, you know, if you, two weeks ago on the show when I brought up the idea of Brian coming back and taking the United States title, I I I wanted to use it as more of a, I, I, it was designed in my mind at least for it to be, you know, uh, of shock value that you didn't see it coming, okay? But at the same time, it was something that was going to get your mind off of Cena being gone and somebody at that moment is a, I don't want to say placeholder, but somebody who's credible enough to fill the shoes of John Cena, which I do think Daniel Bryan is. Um, <clears throat> but you talk about his health. I wouldn't necessarily let him hold on to the title. That's why I proposed the idea of having Sheamus cash in that money in the bank contract the next night on Daniel Bryan and take the United States title. Because in my mind, I truly believe that I don't think Sheamus is going to successfully cash in and become WWE champion. And if you want to add more credibility to that United States title, then I think not only have putting it on Daniel Bryan, but having somebody risk putting their money in the bank contract on the line to cash in for that title would add even more credibility to the championship that they have been trying to build since Cena won that title. Um, you know, Sheamus was another name that popped up too, because he's scheduled on the live event schedule um, after Christmas to face John Cena. So he's a name that could pop up. Um, one name that I also didn't mention too, that I want to at least address here so that, you know, some, some of our listeners you know, may or may not think that's the case, but when they're watching the show, they'll be like, oh, okay, well, here, that's a possibility. Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho was a surprise last month, okay? And albeit it seems like he left, his character left on bad terms with Ambrose and Roman Reigns, um, he 
posted a picture of um, himself heading out to Los Angeles for some sort of music festival. I don't know if he's going to perform or what the situation is, but that was early this morning, and uh, Jericho could be trolling the fans, and that could be the surprise of him challenging John Cena for the United States title. Who knows? But I'm just loving the, the speculation heading into this match. I just hope it's not a big letdown. Um, but Daniel Bryan, I think, would be the perfect choice for this moment. And surprisingly enough, the last time Daniel Bryan and John Cena did meet in the ring was in that very same building in the Staples Center, SummerSlam 2013, when Daniel Bryan won his first WWE Championship, defeating John Cena. I think Jericho becomes a very interesting name, especially uh, you know when you have a Jericho losing on bad terms to a uh, Members of the Shield, you know, maybe that's a slot that you can throw Ambrose in going after the U.S. title, going after Jericho. Jericho's the guy that you slot in. I mean, one of the things I really would like to see is a little more separation from the Shield members. And uh, a program with Jericho for Ambrose uh, surrounding the U.S. title uh, could be something pretty intriguing uh, to moving forward. So, um, again, it's a good name to bring up. Uh, lots of speculation. And you're right, it's fun because, you know, when you have an open-ended match like this, um, and look, all props to John Cena, you haters, shut the hell up, because for the bulk of this year, the most interesting thing on WWE programming has been uh, the U.S. Open Challenge, so, uh, you know, and, and John Cena has really elevated that, that title belt, so, uh, you know, all the props in the world to him, and, and, and I think because of that, because of what that title means now, and because of what the Open Challenge has, has done over the course of these few months, uh, it's important it's an important belt. It's not the belt, but there's prestige surrounding it. And to have all this uh, speculation and mystery surrounding this match, and, and I think it's a good thing when you know that John Cena is going on hiatus because it kind of opens the door a little bit more like to, for uh, some fantasy booking and having a little bit of fun with this. Um, I do agree with you, Dave, and your, to your earlier point. Um, this, is, this is one of those things, though, where the WWE has to be careful and, again, you never know where these rumors come from. Like you said, guys are trolling the Internet. Uh, I am totally convinced the WWE floats their own rumors out there. Um, this is a situation, though, that you've got to be careful who the guy is to answer the bell. Uh, with all the speculation, if it's a disappointment, uh, there's always that possibility that the crowd shits all over it. Oh, totally agree. I mean, um, yeah, I mean... A lot of people, you know, that's that's the thing, too. A lot of people are kind of expecting it to be Daniel Bryan because he is rumored to be en route to Los Angeles or already there. Um, just like when Daniel Bryan was announced ahead of time that he was going to enter the Royal Rumble. Most people expected him to win the Royal Rumble. He got eliminated early. Not only were the people upset in Philadelphia, but, they, you know, a lot of people watching at home were very upset. So you kind of paint yourself into a corner creatively if these rumors are floating out there, I mean, they're just rumors. So, you know, the, the, the audience has to suck it up if it's not the, the, the individual that they hope for that, that's going to answer this challenge. Um, let's, just, let's just hope, let's say, for instance, if it's not Daniel Bryan and it's somebody else, well, let's hope that that person makes up for it by, you know, by whatever kind of match they're going to have with Cena, that the match is creative and st the storytelling is on point and the finish is a believable finish that's going to get you thinking and forgetting the fact that Daniel Bryan wasn't the guy to answer John Cena's open challenge. So I think that's it's a tough spot that they're in, but it, it makes for, like I told you, like I said a couple of times now, it makes for some very interesting, um, 
you know, speculation with this show, because this is what we do. We don't only just talk news, but we speculate and we fantasy book, just like every other podcast out there in this world, except we do it the best, okay? Every <laughs> single week, we do it the best. Um, and that, yeah, so that's that. As far as that goes, um, so if we're going predictions, one more time, Daniel Bryan, new United States champion. And I do think it's too funny that we're in agreement on that, that, uh, you know, with so many moving parts and so many things that can happen, we actually agreed on that. And it was as you as you put, as you were saying your prediction, because again, you guys probably don't believe us, but we go over the show format before these, these pregame shows, and but we don't give each other predictions. So the predictions are genuine when we're on the air. And as I was, because I I got this little sheet here that I have two columns, and I put our picks for for each match. And as I was writing. Daniel Bryant, you started saying Daniel Bryant. I'm like, this is just too funny. So we're both on board with that. But uh, I, I honestly think that a lot of these names that we speculated about, the good news is that I don't think the crowd uh, will, will shit all over, you know, all of those names. I think Sheamus would, would uh, that match would be difficult. I think the crowd would be all over that match. Uh, however, some of these other guys, uh, you know, I, I think they're expecting Daniel Bryant, but winds up being Chris Jericho. I don't think... Uh, People are going to be outraged, uh, but it remains to be seen. Uh, interesting stuff there. Let's let's move on in the pay per view because we got our we have a six man tag match, and it's uh you know it's almost uh, the, the 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 floundering crew, the six man flounder. Uh, a lot of characters that uh you know trying to find a place uh, in the WWE. Uh, we got Rusev, who uh you know who knows take it with a grain of salt, maybe in a little bit of hot water. Uh, with the front office of the WWE announcing his engagement when a uh, storyline is contradictory to that. Uh, Rusev, Sheamus, and King Barrett versus Ziggler, Cesaro, and Neville. And uh, again, it's it's one of those things, Dave. Uh, I like it. I, I, I think this is going to be an entertaining uh, matchup. Um, you know, I'm looking for good stuff. Uh, I'll get my pick right off the bat. I think uh, we're going to see Ziggler, Cesaro, and Neville uh, win this matchup. But... Uh, uh, again, I, you know, I'm not so sure creatively how much I, I, I'm, I look at that. And I'm like, yeah, that's that's awesome. But uh, as far as an entertaining wrestling match, I, I think it's going to be a fun match. I think it will be a very fun match. Like you said, it, it, all six of these guys are just trying to find a place on the card. And I've actually been kind of digging uh, this, this three-man unit with Rusev, Sheamus, and Barrett. They seem to just gel real well together as three of them. And I hope this kind of continues. Give these guys something to sink their teeth into. I mean, a lot of people complain that maybe there's too many factions or too many guys grouped up. You got the Wyatts, you got the New Day, you got two thirds of the old Shield. I mean, but I'm kind of digging this because it gives you know something fresh for Rusev and Sheamus and Barrett to, to to do, and they all have those European roots that they can you know kind of use to their advantage in in terms of the the how they represent themselves as a group. I mean, I'm kind of liking it. Um, I am going to agree with you. Um, I, you know, original, my original pick, um, which I have written down in here in paper, was uh, you know Barrett, Zig, uh, Barrett, uh, Sheamus, and Rusev, uh, based on uh, the fact that Ziggler was attacked Thursday, or yeah, Thursday on SmackDown by the debuting Tyler Breeze. So I was thinking that well, maybe Tyler Breeze is going to have some some sort of uh, you know, uh, involvement in this pre-show match, costing Ziggler the match. But I think the opposite. I think Ziggler Cesaro never will come out victorious in this match. Um, 
and I think they'll move on with Ziggler and Tyler Breeze, you know, tomorrow night in I don't think we'll see those two square off just yet. But um, it should be a very fun, entertaining match. All six guys can wrestle. Uh, they, they've all worked well with each other in the past. So it should be a pretty fun opener. Um, and the rumor is, is that if the weather's good out in Los Angeles, that um, they actually have a ring set up outside, and they might have the pre-show match outside with, like, the people, like, actually coming into the building where, like, the, the, the pre-show panelists are hanging out. So, you know, maybe add, like, a little different environment to that match, make it pretty cool. Right, who knows? But, yeah, I expect to see uh, the baby faces going over in this, this encounter. That would be cool if they did it outside. Um, yeah, I got to agree with you. Like, I kind of like the Rusev, Sheamus, uh, King Barrett thing. And, uh, I, you know, I don't know. I, I mean, I think, you know, there are too many, like, you know, sometimes in wrestling people get caught up with uh, – you know, black and white, or they get, you know, they they get an earworm where it's like they did just, you know, too many factions. I, I don't know. Like, I, you know, I think if done the right way, and as long as they're unique. I mean, yeah, back in the day when there was like, you know, the New World Order, the New World Order, Wolfpack, the Latino World Order. I mean, everyone was a world order, you know, and it just, it got ridiculous. Um, but but done the right way, you know, if if, if you have groups that are, you know, different from each other. Um, you, you know, I, I think it works. Like, you know, when I look at New Day, I honestly don't look at them as much as a faction as just a tag team. They just happen to be three. Uh, the Wyatts, I look at a group, look at as a group, and almost uh, they're kind of a cult. Uh, they're a brotherhood, if you will. Um, I agree with you. This group uh, doing kind of a European, maybe a anti-American kind of vibe. Um, I, you know, I like that. You know, it, it, to me, it's like, I, I don't think you can have too many or too I, – I think too few sometimes because I like groups. I like groupings. I think uh, at least having a couple uh, works uh, in any wrestling company. Uh, I think it can be overdone, uh, but I do like this grouping. And when you're, when you're looking at guys that are floundering, uh, you know, putting them together is something that, uh, you know, could prove beneficial uh, for all three of these guys. The, the one thing, that, you know, I'm curious, and I, and I kind of touched on it, uh, earlier, when we were talking about uh, Ambrose and the U.S. title uh, picture and everything, um, you know, I'm, I'm curious your thoughts, Dave, because as you look at like factions and you know the WWE and the groups, and again, I, I'm not in that that mindset of there's too many. But however, I, I would really like to see, uh, even if it's for a few months, just some real serious distance uh, with the Shield members. I just, I, I don't know. I just feel like at this point, I, I just want to see them really, you know, and, and Rollins has, uh, but the, like, on again, off again, hey, we're helping each other thing between Reigns and Ambrose. I just would really like to see uh, some definitive separation, at least for a chunk of time. Um, you know, maybe they come back together for something special. But I'm curious your thoughts on that, Dave. I think it's possible that we are going to see some separation after tonight with uh, Reigns and Ambrose. Um, I was watching watching Raw on Monday when they had that, you know, little mini Shield reunion one night only kind of thing. Just so happened it was in Dallas, Texas. I've been saying it for a long time now. I still believe it, that we're going to see Reigns, Rollins, and Ambrose triple threat for the WWE title um, at WrestleMania 32 next year. I truly believe that. Uh, I could, I, and I'll be the first to admit if I'm wrong when it, when you know when the time comes. But on this show, I'm saying it again. And so I think when they had the three of them, you know, together, they kind of 
left it open, and they, they were foreshadowing to what they potential, what we could potentially see at WrestleMania next year. It, it just so happened it was in Dallas this past week on Raw, but a little foreshadowing, leaving it open, potentially what we could see if something's creatively changed, then, you know, it's not a huge letdown. But um, I think that they, they're keeping them together because I think that at some point they're going to want to, um, if they decide to go that route with a triple threat, that they're going to want to, you know, have a huge backstory of them having each other's back for so long, and then there's this dissension of the two of them wanting to get a piece at Rollins in the title um, at WrestleMania 32. So it wouldn't surprise me if they kept them kind of paired or associated with each other over the course of the next few months heading into WrestleMania. But at the same time, it looks like to me they might separate some distance from them from now probably until the Royal Rumble, at least in my opinion. Um, and we'll talk about rumors of WrestleMania and, and you know, the, the, that particular match that's been rumored for, for a while now um, as time goes on. But I, I, do think we, I do think we're kind of seeing that tonight, and especially with, you know, Reigns and Wyatt supposed to be the, the, the last match between the two of them, that this is going to settle it. I kind of have a feeling that, Ambrose is going to help him out, and then they're going to kind of go their separate ways for a little bit. Um, and Ambrose will do his thing, and Reigns will go ahead and do his thing. Um, you know, heading into you know the 2016 and the, the Royal Rumble. So I'm 50-50 on it, but I think it, we're going to start seeing some of that tonight. Well, since you, since you hit on it, I mean, why don't we why don't we hit that match? I mean, Reigns and Wyatt uh, tonight in uh, one of. Uh, the Hell in a Cell matches. Uh, I'm digging this program. I, I, you know, again, Dave, when you said, you know, I think the build in this has been good, and uh, you know, this is going to be one of those matches going to add to uh, uh, how good the card is going to be. I'm just looking for a hard hitting, uh, violent matchup between these two. Um, you know, again, to the haters out there, you know, get over it. Uh, Reigns is doing everything he can to improve his game. I'm I'm impressed with this guy. You know, he didn't rest on his laurels. You know, he was the heir apparent. Uh, Who knows if he is or he's not right now uh, behind the scenes. But, you know, he he didn't stop. You know, he got booed in Philadelphia. And to me, he keeps uh, improving his game. And and I'm impressed with with, uh, Reigns. And and when you look at a guy like Bray Wyatt and his unique offensive style, uh, getting into the ring in in a Hell in a Cell matchup, uh, to me, you know, the sky's the limit as far as what we might see Bray Wyatt do. And as you said, Dave, you got two guys who are hard hitters, two guys who are young, two guys looking to make their name, not only in the company right now, but historically, two guys that have a historical lineage and possibly being the last match, at least for some time between these two. I, I'm looking not only for this match to be a pretty incredible matchup, this matchup could be a potential show stealer. Um, uh, Prediction-wise, I'm going to look at Reigns uh, to come up victorious because I still think that behind the scenes uh, he may, in fact, be the heir apparent. Although, if they do go in the direction of a little bit of separation, perhaps we see Ambrose, if not purposely, but maybe in some way, shape, or form, screw over Reigns and Reigns loses tonight. Maybe we see something like that, but I'm going to go with the safe pick and I'm going to say Reigns is victorious. 
But I, I'm excited for this matchup, Dave. I, I think this is going to be a really entertaining matchup. And when you look at, you know, over the course of the years with the Hell in the Cell and the PG rating and, and the violence that, that is supposed to be expounded upon by everybody out there, the most hellacious structure, the, the most violent, it takes years off your career, yada, yada, yada. But with the PG rating, it does kind of pull it back a little bit. Um, but I expect these two guys to pull out some unique offensive maneuvers, some unique spots, at least to, if not, you know, without the blood aspect, uh, to give us a sense of this match being extremely violent. And uh, I'm just looking forward to this matchup tonight. I'm looking forward to it as well. I think the program's been good. I think it's been something that was designed to make the audience really get behind Reigns because a lot of them weren't heading into WrestleMania, I think the audience started to gain some of his respect, some respect for him, I should say, because of the beating he was taking from Brock Lesnar in that match, and I think it's been building and building from that, from that point you know, going forward. And I think with a character like Bray Wyatt, who is just so relentless and will do anything he can to you know, torture his opponent mentally and physically, this was designed for the audience to get behind Roman Reigns and be supportive of him because he's had really 50-50, 60-40 kind of reactions around the country. And in some cases, he's been a 100% baby face. Um, He's kind of got that John Cena, you know, love-hate relationship with the audience. Um, I think we're going to see a very good match. I think these two young guys are going to pull out all the stops to to let the locker room know and to let the audience know that they're, they're the future. They're a part of this now moving forward, and they're going to kick ass and, and, and do what they got to do to separate themselves from the other Hell in the Cell match later in the evening with Brock Lesnar and Undertaker. I do think, like you said, the violence, it kind of pulls it back a little bit. It kind of neuters the gimmick, I think. However, I think that this match, um, you're going to see some violent things between the two of them. You're going to see some creative things between the two of them. I do think we're going to see somehow the Wyatts getting involved. I know Reigns had said in the promo on Monday that uh, – you know, you're gonna they're gonna try to get in, but you can't get out. Um, you're in there with me. So I think we will see some shenanigans from the Wyatt family trying to get in somehow into the cell, which could lead to Ambrose getting involved in the match and helping Reigns uh, fight off the Wyatt family. Maybe another individual helping Reigns to then set up their rivalry with that person um, after tonight. Who knows? Um, but I expect to see a pretty fun match. And our audience is probably not going to believe us when I say this, but I'm going to go with Roman Reigns as well for, for, for tonight's victory. And they're probably going to think that this is not genuine at all. It's just some big giant love fest from the two of us, but it's totally, it's a total shoot. You know, I have it written down here on paper. I'll take the picture of it and post it on the Facebook if you want, but I'm picking Roman Reigns. I think he needs this victory and here's why. Okay, his character has basically been climbing an up uphill. He's going been going through an uphill battle since WrestleMania, even before WrestleMania, from the Royal Rumble, with the with the way the fans have been treating him to just his character's incidents and downfalls with Seth Rollins and the Wyatt family and losing money in the bank because of Bray Wyatt and the Wyatt family continuing to grow and just get in his way. I think Reigns definitively needs to beat the hell out of Bray Wyatt. End this and then move forward towards a run at the championship. I think this will be the stepping stone, the first step to him getting an opportunity at the title. And like I said to you earlier, I still think it's going to culminate 
with him in a triple threat at WrestleMania, but that's a whole other issue in itself. I think tonight's the first step to him becoming the champion. I agree. I, I can see that. I mean, and I do think the WWE has done, done a decent job at, at trying to uh, build him back up, um, you know, as well as what Reigns has done. Like I said, I, I just think that Reigns has really uh, done a lot to, uh, you know, build his character, to improve upon his game. You know, he's is he great on the mic? Absolutely not. Has he improved? Yeah, yes, he has improved. Um, you know, he's he's moving forward with his character. And, uh, again, something like this, I just look at two, you know, young, hungry guys that are looking to make a name for themselves and uh i i just think that they're both are going to come in there we're going to see some unique offense and uh i'm looking forward to seeing what these two guys uh are going to do tonight again i think i think we have a potential you know as much as we're going to talk about uh the other hell in a cell match a little bit later on uh but i do think as far as what we're seeing um you know wrestling wise uh i think we have a potential show stealer uh, in this matchup, and uh, so let's let's get into uh, some more of this card. You know, um, we got the champion Charlotte with Becky Lynch taking on Nikki Bella, singles match for the WWE uh, Divas Championship. Dave, is the Diva Revolution is it over? Is it a success? Are we uh, are we moving in the right direction? What are your thoughts on this Diva Revolution as it moves forward? I really don't know what to make of it, to be quite honest with you. Um, I honestly don't. I, I'm, I'm, we're in the infancy, the early stages of Charlotte's run as Divas champion. Um, I'll just go out there prediction-wise. I expected a rematch between her and, and Nikki Bella, um, and it looks like that there seems to have been focus lost in that buildup, which is fine with me because I, I, I could use – a. Uh, Nikki Bella, a, a break from Nikki Bella in the Divas division in the Divas title picture. To be perfectly honest with you, it looks like they've been uh, really pushing towards Charlotte and Paige at some point um, as like you know something to really get you geared up for once this rivalry ends with Nikki Bella and Charlotte. So I'm going to go on a limb. Well, it's not really that big of a limb, but I'm going to go on a limb and say that Charlotte walks out of the, the tonight. With the title, I think it should be a pretty decent match. I think we'll see some foreshadowing in terms of uh, where she goes from here with Paige's involvement possibly in the title match. Maybe, you know, since Paige is trying to get back into the good graces of Team PCB, she'll be of help to, to, to Charlotte and win and help Charlotte keep the Divas Championship, which could then they could build off of that moving forward. Um, I, I really don't know what to make of this Divas revolution, but the only – I, I think it's still in a positive direction. The only reason why I say that is because the girls get more time to wrestle, and there's more importance in the matches. They're not just a couple of girls in bikinis going out there doing flips and pretending to, to, to play fight. It, it's, it's baby steps with the girls. This isn't going to change overnight, in my opinion. Do I think it could be better? Yes, but I still think that they're going in the right direction. I do think, though, that Charlotte, and it's no fault of her own, but I think the audience is starting to realize that she was handpicked by management to be that face of that division. And I don't have any problem with it personally, but she might be the female John Cena and Sasha Banks might be the female Daniel Bryan because there's a lot of Sasha. We want Sasha chance, um, you know, in, in, in the other girls' matches, even if Sasha's not in the match. So I, I think that's a problem that they could run into down the line. Hopefully that's not the case, but um, there, I 
still think they're going in the right direction because, the, like I said, the girls are getting more time to hone their craft in the ring on TV, and they're having more of a meaningful role on TV. So Charlotte wins, keeps the title. And I'm I'm going to agree with you. Um, yeah, I mean, I, and I, I think this one's obvious. So I mean, I, I'd be shocked if, if anyone, any of our listeners, even are not picking Charlotte. Um, you know, I do think she's been handpicked to be the face of this division, and we'll see where that goes. I, to me, I think the biggest problem with the Diva Revolution uh, is is the fact that they called it the Diva Revolution. You know, uh, they they didn't. You know, they they had to put a label on it. And sometimes when you put a label on it, you know, you're, you're doing yourself a disservice. Like a revolution, a revolution means like wholesale, rapid change. We're just tearing shit down and, and putting in new. I mean, it's just everything's going to be different. It's a revolution. And no, it's, 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 it's a slow evolution. It's a slow improving. It's, it's ba- like you said, Dave, it's baby steps. And I think when people criticize and say, you know, and love that blanket statement, you know, the Diva Revolution is a failure. Um, I, I don't think it's a failure. Um, but I, I think they did themselves a disservice by throwing that label out there, by saying we are, we are in the midst of a Diva Revolution. It's like, if you just didn't say anything, if you just didn't call it a revolution, and slowly started bringing these other ladies into the main roster and slowly started giving the women more time to wrestle on, on TV, and slowly started giving the ladies uh, more significant storylines and, and, and giving them like, uh, time to develop stories and, and put that psychology in place, um, then you, you, the fans would just start to realize, hey, you know, the, the women's division, uh, it's looking good. It's definitely on its way up. But when, when you call it a revolution... Then, then people expect wholesale changes quickly, and that's not the case. So I'm going to disagree with that idea that it is a failure. Um, you know, I, I think it remains to be seen uh, whether this is going to be a failure or success. I think a year from now we can look back on now and say, all right, like, was this a success? I, I, to me, the label was the mistake. Don't call it a revolution. We've seen steady improvements. You know, we've seen – a. You know, over time, and it's been, you know, back and forth, hit and miss, the tag team division uh, improving. But they didn't call it a tag team revolution. So you're, you're seeing, like, you know, it evolve over time, and hopefully we have a substantial, uh, decent tag team division. It's been, you know, up and down. But you can tell that at least, you know, with Triple H, that it seems like he is on board with building the tag team division. Um, so I, I think you got to look at that as, as a slow-moving thing. Uh, if you have a division that's really been crapped on uh, for a significant amount of time, to believe it's going to change overnight is, is illogical. Uh, but when you call it a revolution, people believe that's the case, that it's going to change. And, and that's just that's not realistic. And uh, so I think there's been improvements. Uh, can they improve further? Absolutely. Uh, do fans need, need to give it a chance without a question? And uh, don't don't start like you know I, I I'm hating this new era of like we're gonna hijack the show. I love Sasha too, but I think you know to me Dave uh, with the lineage and you, if you want to give credibility to the the diva division, um, look Charlotte's good. I mean she's real good. She's athletic, you know. Uh, she's not she's not a Barbie doll. And to add the lineage to Ric Flair, I, I mean, you know, it, it's funny because sometimes with fans, I think they just want to disagree for the sake of disagreeing. 
But if you're looking, Dave, to say, all right, we're going to rebuild the Diva division. All right, who who should we do it with? Oh, well, we got this tall, blonde chick who's who's muscular, athletic, but she's still feminine, and she happens to be arguably one of the greatest, and of the greatest of all times, daughter. She's a daughter of Ric Flair. Hmm. To me, that's a no-brainer. Let's let's at least start with building the Diva division with her and then see where it goes. For fans to just crap on someone because they happen to be, like, you know, hand-picked, to me, it makes sense to pick her, Dave. I, I do agree, too. I, I, I mean, that's just pure speculation on my part. I'm not saying that there's negative backlash towards Charlotte. I think there's potential for there to be, okay? And that's why I think we're seeing the audience – you know, want, you know, we want Sasha. I think the audience is starting to realize that this diva revolution, um, you know, it, it wasn't really organic. It was more contrived than anything because it was, it was almost like a whole bunch of girls were standing in the ring and their boss was telling them who to be friends with and who to side with and who to align themselves with instead of, you know, just kind of letting it – instead of just, you know, letting it develop a different way because it just felt very forced, like – all right, now you're going to watch the girls because we said so, because we paired them up in groups. Um, and I think the audience sees that Sasha is very talented on her own and doesn't need to be aligned with anybody, to be aligned with, you know, uh, Naomi and Tamina. And what doesn't help that either is these NXT matches that these girls have been having down there. You know, the, 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 the amount of time that they get, an Iron Man match. For 30 minutes, they gave two girls on on the WWE Network 30 minutes to wrestle. When's the last time you ever saw a girl get 30 minutes on TV? You know what I mean? So I think that does a disservice in a way creatively to WWE management if they don't want to see these kinds of things happening at their shows with the fans hijacking and, and, and you know, almost in a sense forcing their hand creatively to, to choose who should be, you know, spotlighted more in the Divas division. So, I, I I have no problem with 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 Charlotte being the face of the girls' division right now, and I'm sure Sasha's going to get her run too because she's I'm sure she's going to be one of the female cornerstones of WWE's uh, divas or women's division, whatever you want to call it. Um, but I just think the way it started, like you said, I think an evolution would have been better instead of calling it a revolution because we haven't seen too much change. We've seen some, but nothing that has been enormously significant for you to call it a revolution. No, like I said, I think like to really call it a success, uh, let, let's talk about it in a year, and we'll see, uh, you know, if, if it was a success or if we're back to, like, the same old, same old. And, you know, if you really want to call it a revolution, for God's sake, stop calling them divas and call them female wrestlers or ladies wrestlers or women wrestlers, whatever the case is, or lady superstars. we got to stick to superstars. But the divas and the, that stupid belt, I just... Change that if we want to get a revolution going. Three four seven eight three eight nine eight one five. That is the number to call. I'm gonna go out to the phones uh, now because we got Mike on the line. Mike, how are you doing this evening? Hey guys, you definitely we definitely have talent. You know, this this divas division or women's women's division definitely definitely um, an interesting you know way to go about it. And Dave, you hit the nail on the head when you talked about the Iron Man match. Thirty minutes. The action alone was uh, was great. Both women, you know, Bailey uh, and Sasha, great, great wrestlers, great, great entertainers. 
Yeah, no, totally agree with you. I mean, uh, very talented competitors, and uh, you know, again, I, you you want to see this. Uh, there's a lot of talent there. Uh, you know, I, I want to see Natalia used more effectively. Um, you know, I think I hate to say because you don't want anyone. I mean, you've heard the speculation that Bree wants to leave, but I think phasing the Bellas out will help the idea uh, of of a revolution. You know. Um, you know, it's it's just it, it's a slow change, but there is some talent there. There's uh, been some quality ladies matches as of late, and uh, we'll see how this evolves uh, over over the time. Um, so as we get set for Hell in a Cell, Mike, uh, I'm curious, like, what match are you looking forward to most tonight? Well, before I get to that, I just gotta gotta bring up something. Thursday night, there's a there's a woman. She is one of the, she's a great women's wrestler. She is unbelievable. She wrestled um, for so many independent wrestling organizations that I'm a part of. Anyway, her name is Diona Perazzo, and she and she wrestled on NXT. So I gotta congratulate that girl. She made it to NXT. She actually just wrestled for Steve Wolf, um not too long ago um, against uh, Tara Calloway for the. For their women's for um, for uh, pro wrestling uh, magic's um, belt, so uh, for the women's belt, and uh, and she's an unbelievable, unbelievable asset, and I hope she does great um, down there. But yes, tonight we're talking about Hell in a Cell, and uh, the match I'm looking forward to seeing. Wow, you know, so many matches um, that I really am interested in. I'm interested in to see what's going to happen with the Bray Wyatt situation. You know, I, I think it's about time they give the devil his due and they give him a win. Um, you know, that's what I think. I think it's time for him to win. Ever since this program started, um, you know, when he appeared at the at Money in the Bank you know, I, I I don't know. I just think this is something that we can we can bottle bottle up and sell. You know, we 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 got a new Wyatt family member out of the deal. We got a Shield reunion, kind of. I don't know. If it was me tonight, I'd give like I said earlier. I'd give the devil his doing. Let's get a win for Bray Wyatt. He's a very hard working wrestler. Interesting, because like Dave and I actually both picked Reigns. You're you're picking Wyatt. Um, you know, if Wyatt were to win uh, tonight, I'm curious where where do you think they would both go? Where Reigns and Wyatt would go following tonight? Well, I'm picking Reigns, but I said give the devil his oh, due. Okay. Right? No, no, no. I gotta go with Reigns. I don't think they're gonna give it to um, to Wyatt. But if it was me, I, I you know I I want. I want. Uh, I, I. I. think that they're gonna. I. I. My pick is definitely Reigns, but. No, I, I. I want. I want what's his name to win, but I don't think he's gonna win. I, I would agree with you, and I. You know, it, it's funny because I think that Wyatt is in. Uh, you know, it, it's a tough spot, especially you know if Reigns is the heir apparent. If they want to build Reigns, you know, Wyatt is such a good, uh, you know, true heel. Uh, you know, evil, evil man that does bad things to people. So, uh, you know, it's a perfect way to continue to to build uh, Reigns as a top babyface in the company is to go up against uh, an evil force like this in a Hell in a Cell matchup. And uh, uh, your, your your thoughts, Mike, on like both Dave and I said that uh, potentially this match could be a show stealer. Uh, um, you know, you're looking at this match to be a, 
you know, show stealer, potentially match of the year type candidate. Your thoughts on what you're looking for as far as uh, what's going to happen? I think match. it's over. I think it's going to be overrated. I think it's going to be really? watered. What I think it's going to be watered down. I, I think I, that's what I think. I mean, it could potentially be a watered down match, but a very drawn out, boring match. I wonder if it's going to have a spooky ending to it. If it's going to have, you know. Um, Something's gonna go on, or they're gonna have, like you guys say, a screw, a screwy finish, or or something. I I don't know. I see potentially danger for this match, but I'm looking I'm looking forward to it. Um, I'm actually excited because the sponsor to this whole thing is WWE 2K16, and that that's coming out pretty soon, and I I can't wait. Are you you're a video game guy? Yes, I am. I I love it. I I I love video games. I'm a big gamer. I love I love um I have all the WWE um stuff. I actually my first ever ever game was was for Nintendo and it was WWF WrestleMania. And it was, it was if you remember that game it was very weird, you know. So yeah, I'm a big video game guy. I love I love the video games. All right, so when when does uh 2K16 come out? Uh, the twenty seventh of this month. All right. So when when you when you get it, yes, I, I definitely want you to call in and give us a, a review on the game. Oh, definitely, not a problem. You guys are family, like we were talking about before. Hey, I'm sorry about your loss too, by the way. Oh, thank you. I, 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 you know, when you when you put up there that something came up and you couldn't do the show, I understood. You know, it it, it happens. Uh, but I'm looking forward to tonight. I'm actually I'm actually looking forward to December because I got I got some stuff going on in December. I got a hell. I mean, I got a, I was gonna say hell in the cell. No, I have a TLC coming up in Boston. I have a, a Philadelphia Raw, and then I have out in Jersey. I'm gonna go to see. Uh, I'm gonna hit the whole. I'm gonna do a triple triple threat thing there, and I'm gonna go to. Um, First SmackDown, I haven't been in a while, so I'm going to go to SmackDown, but that's in December. But tonight, Hell in the Cell, I'm excited. I'm I'm ready to go. Very cool. Sounds good, Mike. And you know, with the hey, video on, game and, and you hitting all these morning, live events, be sure to uh, give us some reviews, uh, you know, take live. Uh, what were you going to say? Right. T- Tuesday, I was going to tell you, Tuesday morning, I know a lot of people have work and stuff, but if you're listening, if you want to hear a good blo- uh, podcast, I got a, two good friends, Coco and and my friend Wee Wee from from Dating Naked. They do a show, and I'm actually now their caller, where I call every week and we talk about topics and stuff. And uh, this week's topic for me is going to be about Halloween, and um, we're going to talk about movies and stuff. And I uh, and I can't wait for that. So tune into that. Their um their show is called um their show is called Totally Driven Radio. They um. They are on uh, Blog Talk Radio at 9.30 in the morning on Tuesday, and I'll be uh, on there as their guest. So uh, I'll speak to you guys uh, next week, definitely. All right, very oh, cool. Hey, Thanks I'll speak to you call, tomorrow Mike. night. You're going to be on tomorrow night, right? We'll be on tomorrow night. Thanks a lot for the call. Uh, uh, you got it. See you later, Dave. Take, Take it easy, easy my brother. All right. Did, did he say Coco and Wee Wee? <laughs> Nothing surprises me with him. <laughs> He said it well, I love how he asked. I love how he asks permission to promote somebody else's podcast on our <laughs> show. Else's, Coco and Wee Wee. If we can help Coco and Wee Wee out, it's just like, wait, did he just say Wee Wee? I guess he did. So, yeah, but you never know what you're gonna talk about once once Mike calls in. So, uh, yeah, good luck to Coco and Wee Wee. 
can't Out believe you words, said that. I could say in my, my vocabulary over the course of this show, I was not prepared to say wee-wee. And now I've said it like five times. Anyway, I digress. As we go through and we dissect uh, this card tonight, 347-838-9815, that is the number to call. You want to call and give us your thoughts on the card, what matches you're looking forward to, you want to give us your predictions. We want to hear from you. But each and every month when we do this pay-per-view pregame show, our news guy, our resident historian, Dave, gives us a special a special report, and it is the Dave 5 pay-per-view throwback. So without further ado... Let's get Dave on to give our our his give his hell in the cell throwback. Take it away, Dave. Thank you for the introduction, Ken. Let's not confuse the Dave Five Fifty Fifty News Report with my pay per view throwback. But I appreciate you sandwiching the two um, tonight. Good evening, class. Welcome to another fun-filled and informative lesson plan. I'm your resident professional wrestling historian, Mr. Dave Rosenbluth. Tonight is a special treat for all of you, as I plan on giving you all another first in my pay-per-view throwback. You see, as each month passes, with each lesson plan as your teacher, I spent countless hours in an attempt to strategically think of ways creatively to educate you and take you back to the future in the world of professional wrestling. Now, I'm not referring to the version consisting of a sports almanac predicting the Chicago Cubs' appearance in the 2015 Major League Baseball World, World Series, because we all know how that turned out. Hashtag let's go Mets. I'm referring to historic facts from past pay-per-view extravaganzas each month that could potentially tie into that particular evening's event. So this month, I want to split up this lesson plan into two parts. I would like to explore some interesting Hell in the Cell statistics, both pre- and post-PG era. And later on this evening, I'm going to examine the deep and rich history surrounding what WWE is calling final encounter between Brock Lesnar and The Undertaker. So without further ado, part one of my pay-per-view throwback, which I'd like to call Hell in a Cell by the Numbers. Hell in a Cell, the Devil's Playground, the most demonic structure in all of WWE. Just many different ways to describe this one-of-a-kind gimmick match. Over the years, Hell in a Cell had lived up to that hype. The Cell was used to blow off a particular storyline in definitive fashion. Old school professional wrestling storytelling at its finest. It could be described as an updated version of the classic steel cage match that was the blueprint of facilitating a heated rivalry. In its 18-year history, there have been 30 Hell in a Cell matches, and out of these 30 matches, 33 individuals competed in those matches. Out of those 33 individuals, 26 are former world champions, and only six of the 33 men are in the WWE Hall of Fame. Those are Stone Cold Steve Austin, Mick Foley, Rikishi, Kevin Nash, the Heartbreak Kid Shawn Michaels, and the Rated R Superstar. Of the 33 individuals who have survived Hell in the Cell, eight of those men have not been world champions. That list includes Ryback, Ted DiBiase, Cody Rhodes, Dean Ambrose, The Big Boss Man, Shane McMahon, and Paul Heyman. After tonight, a new statistic can be added as two more men will join this fraternity of the chosen few when Roman Reigns looks to finally settle the score 
with a man who's tailor-made for this kind of match, Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt is somewhat familiar with Hell in the Cell as he made a surprise appearance last year interfering in the Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose affair, derailing the lunatic fringe's attempt at revenge on Rollins and the subsequent victory. Here's an interesting fact that even I wasn't familiar with, that is until stumbling upon this during my research, but did you know that of the 30 Hell in the Cell matches in its 18-year history, only one of those matches was not televised? September 26, 2011, Kansas City, Missouri, John Cena won a five-man Hell in the Cell match for the WWE Championship in the dark match main event following that evening's Monday Night Raw telecast as he defeated CM Punk, Alberto Del Rio, Dolph Ziggler, and Jack Swagger. The largest Hell in the Cell match comes in at, comes in at six. That is six competitors facing off for the WWE Championship as Kurt Angle successfully defeated The Rock, Rikishi, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Triple H, and The Undertaker at Armageddon 2000 in what has been described as one of the most chaotic Hell in the Cell matches in WWE history. While on the subject of championships, 14 championship matches have taken place inside Satan's structure. Six of those were for the World Heavyweight Championship, while the other eight were contested for the WWE Championship. In those 14 matches, the championship only changed hands on three occasions. In 2009, The Undertaker defeated CM Punk to become World Heavyweight Champion. Later on in that very same evening, Randy Orton defeated John Cena to become the WWE Champion. And fast forward two years later, Alberto Del Rio captured the WWE Championship, outlasting both champion John Cena and CM Punk in the first and only triple threat Hell in a Cell match in the state. What else do all three of these title changes have in common besides taking place inside Hell in a Cell? All three took place at the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view events. Which brings me to my next point. 2009 was the year the inaugural Hell in a Cell pay-per-view made its debut. But before this, Hell in a Cell matches were not a yearly tradition and only put into effect when necessary. Of the 30 Cell matches, five of those matches had taken place on Monday Night Raw. 15 of those Hell in a Cell matches were contested at multiple pay-per-view events, including WrestleMania, on two occasions. And 10 of those Cell matches occurred at the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view event itself. An event that came following the beginning of WWE's PG era. Following the beginning of this era, the advent of blood in WWE matches was prohibited. An element that was used to help facilitate the brutal stipulation over the course of the match's history. The first Hell in a Cell match of the PG era that even remotely resembles Cell matches of the past took place at SummerSlam 2008 as Edge battled The Undertaker. With the lack of blood, both individuals made up for it with tables, ladders, chairs, even fire, and everything in between to help facilitate the violent nature and attempt to live up to the hype of this match. Another memorable PG-era Hell in a Cell match that comes to mind is one that truly ended an era. The end of an era, Hell in a Cell match, pitting Triple H against The Undertaker, with Shawn Michaels as the special referee at WrestleMania 28 from Sun Life Stadium in Miami, Florida. My first-hand account sitting in that stadium, I can honestly tell you I felt I was witnessing history in the most violent fashion, considering the product was presented in PG form. 
the brutal chair shots Triple H delivered to, to The Undertaker echoed that outdoor football stadium, leaving bruising and discoloration of skin from the dead man. Sledgehammers, steel steps, and a super kick from the special referee helped give this match the big match feel of what prior cell matches have been defined by. And with WWE's no blood policy in effect, the violence and storytelling by all three involved in the match truly helped keep the reputation of just how violent a Hell in a Cell match could be, despite being displayed in the PG era. And when talking about Hell in a Cell, you have to talk about Triple H and The Undertaker. Both men are tied for the most victories inside Hell in a Cell with six. Taker holds a Hell in a Cell record of six, six wins, five losses, and one no contest. Triple H holds a Cell record of six wins and three losses. Combined, both men have competed in 21 Hell in a Cell matches. After tonight, Undertaker will make that 22. And if successful over Brock Lesnar, he could hold the record for most victories inside Hell in a Cell with seven. Like I said, that's if he comes out victorious over the Beast. And on that note, class, I shall take a break and bring you back to your regularly scheduled programming, The Ken Reedy Show, the best in pro wrestling talk, Hell in a Cell pregame show. When we come back, part two of my lesson plan will dissect the 13-year history between the combatants of tonight's main event, Hell in a Cell match, The Undertaker versus Brock Lesnar. And there's a special treat. Following that, I will be joined by Mr. Ken Reedy himself, as he will help me examine each and every encounter these two polarizing figures have been through over the last 13 years. So, class, stay tuned for part two of my Hell in a Cell pay-per-view throwback entitled The Final encounter just made me think of the final countdown we said the final encounter yeah i'm excited (laughs) to dissect this uh by the way the greatest commercial ever made geico's uh final countdown with europe and the microwave it's just awesome but uh, i digress yeah i'm looking forward to really dissecting that and being part of uh the pay-per-view throwback vibe as we dissect uh uh the history because you know kids and, and you gotta you gotta tune in you gotta be patient. We're going to get to this at the end of the show. But, uh, you know, kiddies out there, uh, you know, the history goes back a little farther, just a little bit farther than uh, WrestleMania 30. So uh, we're going to get you all caught up. A lot of history to get into. Looking forward to dissecting that. But let's uh, let's get back into dissecting uh, this program, this uh, uh, card tonight. Um, interesting enough, Dave, you know, when I look at this, and I'm going to get into this, which is intriguing to me because – it, to me, it's a little bit lost uh, in this card. There's a lot of other stuff like we talked about, uh, Cena and you know versus whomever. Uh, we're gonna dissect Taker Lesnar a little bit later on. You got you know almost. I mean, both Hell in the Cell matches tonight have that like blood feud kind of feel. That real like you know that that uh, old school like hey, there's no belt involved. We just hate each other. Um, you know, you, you got that. You got the Diva Revolution, and we, we we touched upon that matchup. And you know, it's weird. It's kind of like mixed in and, and lost a bit. Is the WWE title Seth Rollins taking on Kane? Uh, if Demon Kane loses, Corporate Kane will be fired. I, I, I the whole Kane thing to me has been been tough to take. Um, it's it's a recycled uh, abyss storyline uh, to me to a certain extent. Uh, I, I can't say that I, I'm uh, excited about this matchup. Will these guys make it somewhat entertaining? I hope so. I think they can. 
Uh, I, to me, over the course of his career, I think Kane is is kind of an underrated guy. Um, you know, he's he's getting towards the end. Um, I, I can't say that I'm really into this storyline. I, I I could care less about the stipulation. Um, you know, the assumption pick wise is that we're going to see uh, Seth Rollins win the match, uh, and hopefully we'll just have uh, Demon Kane back full time, and Corporate Kane will go away. Um, but it, it, it's interesting, Dave. Like, I I just like, you know, as much as like booking the the card and booking the pay per view, uh, I, I could never see it happening. But to be perfectly honest, I wouldn't care if they opened the show with this just to get out of the way. I'm I'm not into it. I'm not pumped for it. I'm hoping the match is okay, but it's just a, it's a weird vibe, Dave, when you're looking at the WWE title and, and kind of just not feeling it at all. I totally agree with you. I think the the Kane stuff has been hit or miss. Um, I, I I applaud the effort in what they're trying to do with Kane in terms of reinventing himself and making him you know, relevant on the show, not saying that he's irrelevant, but just kind of keeping him a part of it with the, you know, the, the split personality thing, like you said, a rehash of the, uh, of the, the monster abyss and Joseph Park storyline from TNA. Um, I, I applaud them for that because I think Kane's a phenomenal performer. I wouldn't say he's hit a home run every time he's done something, but Kane has consistently done some pretty good work over the course of his career in WWE um, creatively. So, um, I, I don't think this is terrible stuff, but it's not great stuff either. And I also think too that it's in a this rivalry is done in a time period where WWE's ratings and their product just kind of seem to I wouldn't say take a few months off, but you know they're you're not necessarily setting the world on fire with what they're doing right now in the fall. Usually after SummerSlam, it just kind of takes a little bit of a dip, almost a break in some way. Storylines are just really like placeholders, and I think this is one of those situations where. You know, Kane and Rollins, they've been building this up, you know, in the on the back burner a little bit since WrestleMania. Since Rollins won the belt and became the big shot and the man, you know, Kane is, you know, part of the authority. And they had that bickering for a long time, the back and forth between the two of them, on and off for months. It's time to blow it off. And I think tonight's that night. Um, I think it's something that they just figured they would put into position now at this time period as opposed to wasting it during WrestleMania season when there are more intriguing and more important storylines to be put into place during that time period. So I think this is the perfect opportunity for it. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing it open the show either, um, but I don't think it will. I think it will probably be something that's in the middle of the card. Uh, my prediction is that you know the, the Roman Reigns-Bray Wyatt match will open up Hell in the Cell. Their Hell in the Cell match will open up the event. But Rollins... Um, with the way he his character has been portrayed as being afraid of Demon Kane, I can I can only see him winning this with in in some sort of you know chicken shit heel fashion of rolling of the you know, pulling the tights or foot on the rope or maybe even some outside interference from somebody else helping him keep the title. Um, but I can't see this going on past tonight. To be perfectly honest with you, I really can't see that being the case. Um, so I'm going to pick Seth Rollins to win the championship, and it wouldn't shock me either is if he if he like dominantly or decisively beats Kane without any kind of help, only because they want to make his character look strong heading into WrestleMania if he's going to potentially defend the title in a triple threat match with the other two former Shield members, 
or if they decide to go the route between him and Triple H, which is something else that they've been kind of brewing on the back burner and storylines and just kind of popping up here and there. So tonight, this ends with Kane. He wins the match. He leaves with the title, whether it's by cheating or by doing it decisively. Seth Rollins leaves the Staples Center WWE champion, and he moves on to other business. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, it's just weird with this storyline because you could have just – I mean, I get it. And it's weird in the world of pro wrestling because there's very few of these quote-unquote characters left, these over-the-top you know, arguably The Undertaker is the greatest, quote, character of all time. Just, you know, wrestling really moved in the direction of realism and these characters being tied to real life. Um, you know, Kane being one of those, uh, you know, fantasy-type characters, you know, it can be tough at times. I just didn't, I mean, to me, the simple storytelling, you're right, Dave, the seeds have been planted. They were brewing for a long time. I don't get this split personality thing. You could have just done something where, you know, I mean, to me, and I pictured it in my head, you know, they had Kane's mask in that glass case. All I was thinking with it was one night Kane is going to get in an argument with Seth Rollins. Uh, Rollins is going to, like, berate him. You're going to see the anguish on, on Kane's face. He's going to lose his temper, you know, maybe throw the steps or something outside the ring, storm into the back. And then Raw would end with, like, the glass shattered and the mask gone. And the next week, Kane just shows up. He just lost his mind, and he's back to being the demon. This whole split personality thing, I, I just, I, I don't like it. I think it's, it's, it's way too hokey, especially with 2015. Um, and, and I think, I agree with you. I think we're going to see, like, some sort of, like, Weasley finish. Um, so, some way, shape, or form, Rollins is going to cheat. And I think we're going to get something pretty hokey out of Kane, where Kane's going to lose. But in losing, the demon is fully unleashed. So it, it's going to be kind of a sort of victory for Kane, where I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if we see some weird uh, video montage, if we see, uh, you know, it would be cool if we see, like, corporate Kane actually in a grave and like or or in a coffin and the lid closes on corporate Kane um and we'll, we'll maybe we'll get the creepy <laughs> you know like the Kane laugh but I, I'm anticipating that sort of finish where it'll be a, a Weasley smarmy uh cheating kind of finish uh he's gonna win and he's all gonna be excited that he won but in winning he fully unleashes the demon Kane so uh, in, in, a, in an odd way, they both come out victorious. But it's just really weird for me to, to be, you know, and I look at, and you said it, Dave, man, like this is a, a pay-per-view that we're looking at. The build has been lackluster, but on paper, a lot of the matches look like they're going to be decent matches. You're going to have a decent, entertaining card tonight. But I look at this match even, and I don't see, like, I, I think it'll be good, and, and I like Kane. I like both of them. I really do. I mean, there's a lot of Kane hate out there. I like Kane, uh, but I I don't know. I just don't see it. I'm, I'm more or less, Dave, just looking forward to, like you said, as long as they're going to move in a different direction with Seth Rollins, uh, that's really what I'm looking forward to. So both of us in this match, we're picking Seth Rollins. Uh, neither one of us are overly excited about this match, so we'll see. It should be interesting to see, again, when you look at matches like Lesnar and, and John Cena versus whomever, having a little more juice, where exactly uh, they booked this match on the card. And uh, let's get into another championship match, Kevin Owens versus Ryback, uh, which I like this. And right now on the WWE Network, 
Kevin Owens is, I believe he might be bad-mouthing. This is a false out. He's bad-mouthing Magic Johnson in front of, I'm going to, I want a piece of Kevin Owens. Hey, he's in front of the Magic John. He's cutting a promo in front of the Magic Johnson statue outside the Staples Center. So this guy gets it. He knows how to be a heel. I, I think this is a good mid-card kind of rivalry that's going on. Uh, people who want to, like, you know, rocket ship Kevin Owens to the main event, shut up. Uh, there's a good place for him. The IC title has been elevated. Uh, he's holding down the mid-card, which I think is a great place for him. And I think this is good for Ryback. However, I'm curious where they're going to go uh, following this matchup. So I'm actually, this is a pick I'm going to go out on a limb. I think tonight Ryback is going to win this match but not win the title. I think we're going to see some sort of count out or, or something, maybe a DQ. When the, the match ends, we're going to see a Ryback victory. Uh, but I do not see the title changing hands because I – Personally, it might be because I'm just I, – I, personally, I want to see this continue for a little longer. I think it's a good spot for both of them. I think it's an especially good spot for Kevin Owens. I think it's a solid storyline. Um, I, I think there needs a little more – there needs to be a little more juice to it, in my opinion. I don't know. It just seems – it seems kind of – it needs to move forward in, in another direction. It seems like it's just something – the same thing that took place, you know, last month, except Kevin Owens is wearing the title. I'm going to disagree with you. I'm going to say Kevin Owens wins the match. I think, first of all, here's two things to, to, to put into perspective here. Kevin Owens built a reputation on the independent scene, not only through Ring of Honor, but through Pro Wrestling Guerrilla, which is out in Southern California. There's a lot of, you know, Southern California, he might get a good reception out there, okay? The, the audience might be behind him and in his favor, so I think it will be difficult for him as a performer to try and garner some much-needed heel heat that his character is supposed to display in the match towards Ryback. Um, but I think that we will see... I think Ryback's going to blow his lid and get himself disqualified. You, know, you say that Ryback's going to win, but on some sort of disqualification. I think Ryback's going to blow his lid and get himself disqualified, or Owens is going to push him to the point where he just gets himself disqualified, and Owens wins and leaves with his title. Interesting. Oh, well, we're both looking at, at some sort of like violent finish, uh, something cool here. But uh, all right, that, that's interesting. So we finally we finally differed on one. We differed on the IC title match. But did uh, I mean I'm curious. I mean I, I do think it's a good spot. Uh, you know, it's the thing I worry about it is I do look at this matchup and 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 these guys right here, and you know I, I think this is a good spot for Owens. I, I like him in this role, uh, the heel IC champion. Um, I really think it's a great spot for him right now. Um, you know, moving forward, uh, you know, I liked Ryback with that belt. I don't see him getting the belt back out of this program. And, you know, Ryback's a guy that, again, not too long ago, he was the hottest guy in the company. And when you look at certain guys in the company that have floundered uh, over time, un unfortunately, when I look at Ryback, uh, whether it's tonight or, you know, a, a little while down the road a piece. Uh, I do wonder about the Ryback character and where he could go next. Yeah, it's. Um, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't see Ryback chasing after the title any longer after tonight. Um, but I, I can. I mean, Ryback's his role. He's pretty good in in situations where he's 
working against another big guy. Like the stuff he did with Mark Henry a few years ago leading to WrestleMania, like that was good stuff. I think that they could have expanded more on him and Big Show a little bit. Um, a lot of people were tired of it, but I don't think that they really sucked their teeth into it only because they got Miz involved. So I, I right now, after tonight, I don't see Ryback doing it. Maybe, maybe Ryback's going to, you know, be the new foil for the Wyatts. You know, they kind of dabbled with him and the Wyatts a few uh, a few months back, or back in the springtime after WrestleMania. Maybe they'll try that again. I don't know. But I could just see Ryback, you know, not necessarily competing for the title, but having a relevant role on the show, um, you know, like I said, working with a big guy or, you know, just I, I don't see a whole lot from him post this rivalry with um, with Kevin Owens, unfortunately. But he'll still be like a a, a, a decent part of the show. Agreed. Yeah, it's just one of those things, man. I think we're both in agreement. You know, regardless of how this program plays itself out, uh, you know, we don't see Ryback coming out of this program with the IC title. Ultimately, when this program ends, whether it's tonight or a little bit moving forward, uh, Ryback's going to be unsuccessful. Owens is going to come out of this program with the the IC title. It should be interesting to see, uh, you know, number one, Owens' uh, next competitor, and number two, uh, where exactly they put Ryback after this? Three four seven eight three eight nine eight one five. That is the number to call. Let's go out to the phones. So we got Rocky on the line. Rocky, how you doing this evening? What's going on, Ken? Not much. Getting ready for Hell in a Cell. What do you got for us? Well, uh, I'm definitely looking forward to Hell in a Cell. I think uh, definitely Raw was a uh, this past Raw was a good, you know, take it home type show. Um. A couple of matches that I'm definitely looking forward to. Definitely the tag team match. It's going to be interesting to see if if the Dudleys, you know, enter the record books further with another title run. Um, I heard your comments about Owens and Ryback, and yeah, I, I definitely can agree that the Ryback character right now is kind of, uh, I would say state of stagnation is probably not the best term. But I think they they really need a direction for him. Um, I was was reading an article the other day that Ryback pretty much has a lot of creative control as far as the Ryback character is concerned, which kind of makes me wonder, you know, if you have that much control, you know, why do you not have it? Why aren't you suggesting a direction for yourself? Uh, And one, aside from the from the two Hell in a Cell matches, one interesting aspect I see out of this pay-per-view is Cena's open challenge. Now, obviously, Cena has taken his open challenge and he's run with it, but to be honest, I think it opens up a, a an opportunity for on-pay-per-views. Pick one title. You know, be it the American, uh, you know, be it the American Championship, be it the Intercontinental, just pick a title, and you know what? Make the opponent a to-be-determined opponent. Because the one thing I like about this is it adds an element of unpredictability to the whole to the pay-per-view as a whole. You know, uh, the, the other matches, you can kind of say the the results are fairly written and you know already written on the wall. But it's going to be interesting to see who answers the open challenge and how it turns out. What are your thoughts? 
It's a good idea. I mean, Dave, you you said it a little earlier that you like that idea that uh, you know being unpredictable and uh, you know whether it's the U.S. title um, or in other titles, but having a uh, you know an open-ended uh, it, you know, and again, Rocky, I don't know if you can do it. It might come off as contrived. It did it every pay-per-view, but uh, at least sprinkling it in over the course of the year that uh, an opponent is to be determined. Uh, it, you know, it does add a lot of speculation and it's a lot of fantasy booking and. It gets you kind of juice for things. Uh, uh, you know, your thoughts, Dave? I think it's an interesting idea, at least with the more with some more regularity, having uh, you know a challenger kind of open ended. I mean, I like the idea, if it's, but it, if you start doing it every month, I think it it, it it waters down the effect of a surprise. You know, that means you got to really like try hard to really top yourself. Um, and I mean, I. It's fun in theory, but at the same time, creatively, you can really paint yourself into a corner by doing something like that. Not that it's a bad idea, but I just think it would. It, it, there's more. There's more opportunity for you to try and climb yourself out of a hole creatively in, in, in situations like that than there is for you to, you know, come up with a creative solution um, positively for for scenarios like that. So. Reflecting on your comments, I can I, I can definitely see where that might again that might get stale if you do it every pay per view. But thinking about it, I don't know if I would do it in Hell in a Cell. I think Night of Champions, you know, rolling the dice and seeing which title is going to be defended in an open ended challenge. I think that would make give a lot more interest to the Night of Champions pay per view. I, I think it's something. Yeah, I think it's a good idea. I think you know to Dave's point, I think it's something that. Uh, whether it's a night of champions or whether you just uh, periodically sprinkle it in a couple of times throughout the year, um, you know, each month might be tough, but a couple of times a year, uh, adding that that open-ended challenge, especially to those pay-per-views. Like, you know, I get what you're saying with Hell in a Cell, but like those pay-per-views outside of the Big Four. Uh, so you have SummerSlam, you have WrestleMania, you got uh, the Royal Rumble, you got uh, Survivor Series. Um, you know, maybe one or two of those other pay-per-views, you, you wind up having an open challenge. Maybe you have, you know, creatively you look at your year and maybe you have, a you know, open challenges uh, for a couple of belts, uh, you know, but not doing it too often where it becomes overkill. But I agree with you. I mean, I think it's definitely added a lot of juice for uh, tonight's match and, and whether they go forward and kind of uh, sprinkle in a little bit more on pay-per-views remains to be seen. But I'd like to see it at least... You know, maybe not 12 times a year, but like two or three times a year, I think it would work. Yeah, definitely. Uh, aside from that, the, the two Hell in a Cell matches, uh, I'm not sure what to expect out of uh, out of Taker Brock. Um, from all the dirt sheets and all, and all the rumor mill going, Taker's really healed up and, and is willing to go. So it, it'll be interesting, interesting to see what he brings to the table. And uh, as far as the as far as the Bray Roman, I I'll be honest with you, I'm getting a little tired of the Shield uh, Wyatt Angle. You know, these, these guys. Now, granted, these guys have had some wars in the ring, and they, they've garnered uh, you know a loyal fan base, but. In my opinion, this feud is, you know, petering out. It's time to put the exclamation point on it and for both sides to move on. Interesting stuff, and I, I kind of, you know, I could see that, and I think we're going to get that tonight. I mean, I think tonight is going to be that kind of exclamation point. 
Um, I'm looking for this to be a, a violent uh, blow-off match and, uh, you know, hopefully both guys moving in new and creative directions. Uh, great stuff as always, Rocky, and uh, talk to you real soon. All right, Ken. Dave, take care. Take it easy, brother. Hey, good stuff from Rocky, as always. And uh, let's get into that uh, tag team title matchup. Interesting stuff. You know, you got the New Day uh, versus the Dudley Boys. Dudley Boys looking uh, to to add to their impressive resume. Uh, New Day looking to continue um, some of the best stuff we've seen on on WWE programming. I look for this match to be entertaining. It should be uh, fun. Uh, But I got to say, Dave, it's a tough match. Uh, I think it's going to be a great match. I think I'm looking forward to these guys in the ring tonight. Um, you know, especially being a Hell in a Cell match, uh, Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. Uh, I do believe that, you know, they're not a, in a Hell in a Cell matchup, but I could see, you know, there being some violence. There probably be some tables. Who knows what's going to happen? Uh, but it's a tough match for me to look at picking, Dave. It is because, um, you know, New Day has been on fire, in my opinion, since they have really let them loose. Uh, this past spring, they've been on fire, and uh, the Dudley Boys, you know, they 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 have a big reputation, uh, being you know one of the best tag teams of all time. Coming in, uh, you kind of want to keep that fanfare with them. So uh, I mean, it's really tough to call. You know, I've been really I've been back and forth. I think I've crossed off my picks about three or four times on this match. Um, you know, considering what took place last. Monday with the table spot when Xavier Woods went through the table, that would indicate that the Dullies are going to get a fair fight um, tonight with the New Day. Um, they last time they got in the ring was at the Madison Square Garden special on the WWE Network. They were cheated out of that match. Uh, before that, it was Night of Champions. It was because of the three-on-two situation. Um, so I kind of have a feeling that we might see a title change tonight. We might see the Dudleys. Um, win and defeat New Day because Xavier Woods is not in Los Angeles. The rumor is that he had gotten married this weekend, so they had taken the weekend, given him the weekend off. I'm still really back and forth on this. Um, you might have to give me a minute. You might have to give me your thoughts on what you think the, what you think the match is going to be before I can determine. So I'll, I'll let you go first with your prediction. Well, I mean, when I look at it, and again, I, I am like right now, and I, I, I've written down my prediction, um, and it really is kind of a 51-49% kind of prediction. Um, uh, the thing is, you got one tag team that, that uh, you know, is the future, is the present and the future in New Day, uh, that has been giving you some of the most entertaining stuff, uh, some nights on Raw, the most entertaining stuff on WWE programming, uh, versus uh, history. Uh, you know, uh, a team, the most decorated tag team in the history of wrestling. Um, you know, the one thing that's sticking in my craw here. Now, these guys have been in the ring together a few times. Uh, the Dudleys continue to be unsuccessful grabbing tag team gold. I cannot imagine, and this is where you're going to know where my prediction's going. I can't imagine the WWE would bring back the Dudley boys, to be unsuccessful going after the New Day. Uh, and now I know that, like, it would be a great feather in the cap of New Day to send the Dudley boys packing, uh, but the Dudley boys are hot. Uh, people like them. They can still go in the ring. Hey, look, it could be a week-long title run. Just because the Dudleys take the title back, take, take the titles tonight, 
does not mean that the New Day doesn't take it back shortly after. You can get you can get that historical pop. You can uh, you know pay homage to the Dudley Boys. You can use the Dudleys to really really solidify the tag team division and try to continue to build that division. Um, so again, I'm talking fifty one forty nine percent as far as the picks. But I, I just I have a weird feeling that you you know to bring back the Dudleys to go right after the new day and, and to just be unsuccessful in their return, I, I, I just don't see that happening. So it may be, very well be a short title run. We'll see where it goes. But that's why, uh, again, it's, it's a slim margin for me, but I'm going to pick the Dudleys to win the title tonight. You know, I'm, uh, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more about your theory in regards to the Dudleys. And they wouldn't be brought back if they were to just – continuously, excuse me, lose to the New Day. Um, However, you know, stranger things have happened. And, I mean, they've brought brought up a lot that they want to be 10-time tag team champions. They've really hammered that point home. Um, At the same time, like I said, you know, the, the, the Internet could be trolling us, and, you know, Xavier Woods may make a surprise appearance to help them win. However... The three-on-two advantage has been going on for so long that it's. It, it, I'm not saying it's time for the New Day title reign in. If it were me, I'd have them keep the belts all the way to WrestleMania, and then it culminates with you know some big kind of match involving the Dudleys and other teams. Um, but I'm going to scratch off my pick again, and I'm going to actually agree with you. I'm going to go with the Dudley Boys um, winning the titles. They could bounce the titles back and forth between them and New Day, between now and until whenever they want to blow this feud off. But um, New Day can pick up, you know, right where they left off if they lose the titles and get involved in something else. We talked about it on our show a few weeks ago where if you were to put New Day as the U.S. Open challenge um, challengers tonight, you know, and win the title collectively, then it could add another element and another layer to the New Day gimmick. But I don't think that's going to happen because it was announced on the uh, the, the kickoff show that John Cena's United States Open Challenge is going to open the Hell in the Cell pay-per-view, so I don't think that's very possible. Um, so I'm going to go with the Dudley Boys defeating New Day. The other thing also, and as, as I was looking over our picks as you were talking, uh, you know, at, at least if we're right, um, and I think we are going to be. Uh, don't have any of the other titles changing hands. So uh, that's another, for me at least, I shouldn't say that. We see John Cena's uh, title changing hands. But uh, we're looking at Owens, Charlotte, and Rollins to uh, retain their titles. So uh, throwing in another title change I think will be fun. Uh, again, I think they'll get a pop. They'll get a huge pop. Um, and, you know, who knows? They they don't. And, and to be honest with you, Dave, I mean, it wouldn't shock me at all if New Day is holding uh, those belts at WrestleMania. We just, you know, might have to see them, uh, you know, win it again. And their their big thing is that they're they're three time tag team champions. I mean, you know, we'll see what happens. I mean, New Day they they have made everything work so far. Um, to see them now being the the, the vanquished foes, uh, losing those belts, playing off the Dudleys. Uh, I still think we're going to see a lot of TV gold. So, uh, you know, let's see the Dudleys. Uh, Win, take those belts off them, and see the New Day uh, deal with that sort of disappointment. And so we've gone through, you know, it's amazing that the only match we differ on tonight 
is we differ on the Intercontinental title match, although I don't see the title changing hands. I see Ryback actually getting a victory, whereas Dave is seeing Owens uh, winning the match. Other than that, our picks are, uh, we think Daniel Bryan's going to show up tonight, uh, take the U.S. title. Ziggler, Reigns, Charlotte, uh, Rollins, and the Dudleys are our picks for this evening. And now it's time for the big one, the biggin'. Hell in a cell. No kids. It's not just a few years of history. The decade plus. And to kind of get us through this, it is part two of Dave's pay-per-view throwback for Hell in a Cell. Class, welcome back to part two of my Hell in a Cell pay-per-view throwback titled The Final Encounter. Tonight, I would like to examine and educate you elaborately on the 13-year history between Brock Lesnar and The Undertaker. But before I go there, let me explain how we got to tonight's final encounter inside Hell in a Cell. Both individuals started in WWE in similar fashion, surprising yet impressive debuts. In a short period of time, both men achieved individual success early on in their careers. For The Undertaker, defeating the immortal Hulk Hogan a year into his debut for the WWE Championship, cemented Undertaker's status atop the mountain in WWE for years to come. And then we have Brock Lesnar. Four months after debuting at the age of 25, Lesnar decisively takes the WWE Championship from The Rock, proving he's no flash in the pan and a name that the main event scene in WWE will become all too familiar with for years to come. With The Undertaker performing in the twilight years of his career opposite Lesnar's sensational rookie year, a collision between the two was bound to occur. Let me first take you to September of 2002, Unforgiven 2002. The Undertaker was on his way to facing Brock Lesnar for his coveted WWE Championship after earning the title opportunity in a number one contender series match on SmackDown. The site of this clash, Los Angeles, California, and the Staples Center. Ironically enough, the very same building where tonight's Hell in a Cell match will take place. How fitting, the same place where this 13-year rivalry began is the same place where it's all going to end. Heading into this match, things got personal real quick as Paul Heyman began playing mind games with the dead man, making disparaging remarks about his then-wife Sarah and their unborn child. The heat intensified when Heyman and Lesnar personally intimidated and threatened Sarah on an episode of SmackDown, infuriating The Undertaker. As bell time approached, fans expected an emotional Undertaker to explode once Lesnar hit the ring. To the surprise of many, the match and storytelling told different. For the better part of the match, Lesnar played to his strengths by controlling the match with his natural wrestling ability. But as time went on, the veteran Undertaker showed resiliency over the rookie champion which caused Lesnar to pull a few aces up his sleeve with a little help from Paul Heyman and several assaults on the referee. Once the referee came to and realized he couldn't control the contest any longer, then the match was thrown out, but the action didn't end there. Officials intended to pull apart the two combatants to no avail, and with the closing moments of the pay-per-view near, Undertaker put the period on the end of the sentence by tossing Brock Lesnar through the unforgiving staging to a smattering of holy shit chants that closed out the pay-per-view. One thing was for sure, this war was far from over. No Mercy, 2002, 
due to the controversial nature of their last encounter, many expected a special stipulation to be put in place for their next title match, a match that would definitively determine a winner once and for all. But before that stipulation was named, Brock Lesnar took it upon himself to break the hand of the dead man in hopes he doesn't make it to their rematch. Following those actions, SmackDown General Manager Stephanie McMahon named the stipulation for the No Mercy pay-per-view event, Hell in a Cell, a match right up the Undertaker's alley, a match that Lesnar had to prove to not only the audience, but to the Undertaker that he can hang inside the Devil's Playground. In the weeks following, Heyman and Lesnar countered by interjecting an old flame of the dead man into this affair, accusing the Undertaker of sexual harassment, mind games once again. An element that, in my personal opinion, was not needed for a championship match of this caliber. Nonetheless, this Hell in a Cell match to be proved to be one of the bloodiest, most brutal, victimizing matches in the history of Hell in a Cell. Nothing in this match was off limits. The violence displayed by both men encapsulated how personal this storyline had been portrayed. Taker's broken hand was the target for the next big thing, as Lesnar used the cell to his advantage when punishing the broken hand of Undertaker's. And it didn't take long for both combatants to be busted open either. Even Paul Heyman wasn't against getting any color. However, on this night, the younger Lesnar and his vicious attacks took a toll on the veteran as Undertaker was lifeless and couldn't fight any longer. Sporting the proverbial crimson mask, Undertaker fell victim to an F5 by the rookie champion for the decisive victory. And for the first time in its history, this Hell in the Cell match actually stayed inside Hell in the Cell. For a match that was previously famous for taking the action outside and even atop the cage, the violence was confined to the cold, hard steel on that evening. The image of Brock Lesnar standing atop the Hell in the Cell, holding the WWE Championship with a crazed look in his eyes to end the evening, showed me as a fan that Brock Lesnar was the future of the business for however long he allowed it. No Mercy 2003 the biker chain match. After that vicious encounter, both men took different paths over the course of a year. Lesnar was stabbed in the back by his agent, Paul Heyman, and was on a mission to get revenge and his WWE title back. The Undertaker would cross paths with anybody that dared step in his yard, including WWE chairman, Mr. McMahon. This all began when Undertaker took exception to Mr. McMahon's treatment of his very own daughter and SmackDown general manager, Stephanie McMahon. At the same time, Lesnar was obsessed with becoming WWE champion for a third time and stopped at nothing to obtain that prize. His first step in doing so was by aligning himself with Mr. McMahon and costing Undertaker his championship match with Kurt Angle on an episode of SmackDown. What followed was a classic 60-minute Iron Man match on SmackDown between Kurt Angle and Brock Lesnar. In the end, Lesnar stooped to a new low and cheated with several steel chair shots to defeat Kurt Angle and become WWE champion. Waiting for him was a man who was cheated out of his title opportunity and a man who was in the crosshairs of Chairman Vince McMahon, The Undertaker. SmackDown General Manager Stephanie McMahon made this title match for the No Mercy event with a biker chain stipulation. The rules were simple. Climb the pole that the chain sits atop. Grab that chain and use it on your opponent to your discretion or lack thereof. As a fan going back and watching this match recently, it looks as if this rivalry was used as a tool to facilitate the eventual showdown between Mr. McMahon and The Undertaker. To describe this match as a brawl is truly an understatement. But like I said earlier, 
As a fan, this match didn't seem to show great importance, despite what Taz and Michael Cole intended to portray in commentary. In the closing moments of this match, as Undertaker was close to obtaining the biker chain, Mr. McMahon appeared and shoved the phenom off the top rope, helping Lesnar use the chain and claim victory. And that's where most wrestling fans thought this rivalry was over. Spring of 2004, Brock Lesnar abruptly left WWE following WrestleMania 20 and professional wrestling altogether to pursue a career in the National Football League. Rumors of his departure stated his displeasure for the full-time schedule that WWE demands of its performers, but more importantly, his displeasure of working with Undertaker and putting Undertaker over following WrestleMania 20. Following being cut from the Minnesota Vikings practice squad, Lesnar dabbled in a return to pro wrestling with a short stint in Japan, which eventually led to the beginnings of his career in mixed martial arts. Lesnar, a former NCAA Division I freestyle amateur wrestler, got off to a shaky start in the UFC until his third fight as he defeated Randy Couture to become UFC heavyweight champion. His success continued with multiple title defenses until he ran into Cain Velasquez in October of 2010. Lesnar fell victim via a knockout to be the throne of his title. And in the years Lesnar was absent from WWE and dominating MMA, Undertaker was still wowing audiences around the world and reinventing himself in an age most would expect him to be winding down his career. Back to Lesnar's loss to Velasquez, on that evening, MMA journalist Ariel Haywani was interviewing The Undertaker, who was in attendance for that evening's fight. As the interview was finishing up, Lesnar walked right by Taker, and some eye contact was made. Taker asked Lesnar if he wanted to go. Lesnar walked away, and Taker kept his remarks short and sweet to journalist Haywani when asked about his confrontation with Lesnar. Was there bad blood behind the scenes between the two? What was the confrontation all about? One thing is for sure, the wrestling world was abuzz. Was Brock Lesnar going to return to WWE? Was this a way to facilitate a storyline if Lesnar was to return? Was it a work or a shoot? Regardless, it had people talking. Now let's fast forward to 2012, the night after WrestleMania 28. Brock Lesnar returned to WWE in controversial fashion. Lesnar would go on to work a limited schedule with only a handful of matches and appearances in his deal. One of those handful of matches would come at the 30th installment of WrestleMania, New Orleans, Louisiana. The Superdome would be the scene for the most controversial match in WrestleMania history as Brock Lesnar would challenge, and in dominant fashion, end the illustrious WrestleMania undefeated streak of The Undertaker. In, week, in weeks leading up to the showdown, WWE creative relied heavily on the history of the streak to help build this epic showdown. Very little effort creatively was placed in this matchup, cut and dry as it could get. One man has a streak to defend, and the other one wants to conquer it. And we all know how this turned out. First-hand accounts by myself and Ken will tell you that we have never heard 75,000 people stay so quiet following the final pinfall. You could practically hear a pin drop in the Superdome. And in a time in pro wrestling when you think you've seen it all, or that there was no more history to be made, 75,000 fans witnessed something historic, something that most fans thought they would never see. Now, if you want me to describe the action, honestly, I can tell you that this match was boring, very slow, and unentertaining, and not because of the lack of effort by the combatants, but reports had surfaced following this match that Undertaker had suffered a concussion early on. Despite the shocking outcome of this bout, what would we have seen had Undertaker not suffered an injury? 
That's a question nobody knows, but what has followed this shocking match is something we didn't expect. A return bout too big for WrestleMania. SummerSlam 2015, Brooklyn, New York, the Barclays Center, the rematch too big for WrestleMania. Undertaker looking for revenge against a more unstoppable Brock Lesnar. Following WrestleMania 30, Undertaker stepped away from WWE. Some wondered if he would ever return considering his countless injuries that had been mounting up. Lesnar, on the other hand, dominantly took the WWE World Heavyweight Championship from John Cena, delivering a beating to Roman Reigns at WrestleMania 31 and re-signing a contract with the WWE to to ensure his future in professional wrestling. Lesnar was riding high following his streak-ending victory. On that very same WrestleMania 31 event, Taker returned to put down the ear of worlds, Bray Wyatt, and proved he still got some gas left in the tank and full speed ahead towards SummerSlam and Brock Lesnar. Some fans were hesitant to to witness this match, myself included. What kind of match did we expect from these two, considering how their last encounter took place? A personal rivalry came to a head in the form of an out-of-control, WWE-style brawl, something most were hoping for. Everything to say the least, but we entertaining to say the least, but what we didn't expect was the manner of the finish to that match and how controversial it was. Undertaker tapping out at the same time the timekeeper's bell was ringing, only for the match to continue, and Taker barely escaping with a submission victory after delivering a low blow to the beast. Brock Lesnar never tapped out. Rather, he passed out. The ultimate booking solution to protect both individuals. But tonight, there is hopefully a definitive winner and a definitive loser. Another tainted finish could hurt the integrity of this match as well as the core values each character represents. Do we see the Undertaker of old inside Hell in a Cell? Does Brock Lesnar continue his violent performances in what many are calling the best run of his career? What direction does either man's character go following this match? I only hope tonight's match far exceeds my expectations, considering the lack of hype this match has had since it was announced. Or will this match fall into the re- into the recycled, history-making, cliches category that so many matches fall victim to. Class, it's time to go to hell. And on that note, class, I thank you for your time. Enjoy hell in the cell. I've been officially dismissed. That's great stuff. I mean, the one thing, you know, I went back and I wasn't able to, to catch the uh, the biker chain match, but I, catch, I caught the other two. And there's, there's a lot of things. I mean, number one, I, I think the WWE completely missed the boat building this match that they should have went back to you know no this is not a the history of a few years it's a 13 year history these guys have had multiple encounters brock lesnar took taker's streak but not only that he went after taker's wife i mean there's just such bad blood between these two guys that you know this is not just like the chapter three like there there's many many chapters there's many 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 layers Many, many drops of blood have been spilt over the course of this rivalry. And, and I think, you know, when you look at and, and the video team uh, at the WWE, they are spot on so often. And when you think about the video package they could have put together going back to, to when this, this rivalry started uh, up till now would have been stellar. And I think they really missed the boat there. Um, going back on these matches, uh, watching their history – uh, I think it's intriguing that, uh, you know, uh, the, the the crotch kicks from The Undertaker were apparent in those earlier matches. Uh, and it's interesting that, uh, you know, he's a guy that in the character of The Undertaker, the subtext of The Undertaker, and, and maybe I'm reading into this, 
But the subtleties of the storytelling, that The Undertaker is a man that when pushed to his limit, this character, when pushed to his limit, will resort to anything. Back in the day, he was pushed to his limit because Taker and, because uh, Lesnar and Heyman went after his wife. And it was personal. And he was pushed to the wall, and so he was going to do anything he had to do. And this incarnation where the storytelling is, is right now, he is pushed to his absolute limits physically, and he's resorting to that. So he's a man that when pushed to his limits will resort to anything, even if it is a crotch shot. Um, the, the, the characters, you know, are Heyman, as, as evil and, and vindictive as he can be. He was so much more back then when it when involved his wife. Um, so there's, there's so many things. It's interesting when you look back on those matches that Taker was an old dog back then. He was an old dog protecting his yard, and, and Lesnar was the up-and-comer. Now, fast forward a decade plus, Taker's still around, and still the older dog um, taking on Lesnar. Um, but there's so much history here that the WWE really, to me, uh, missed the boat on. Um, the one thing that I do look at with this match, uh, the, the storytelling is there. Um, we're, we're looking at this. They're billing it as the final chapter. When you look back on those matches, I mean, I'm hoping tonight, I know it sounds barbaric, but when you look back on those matches, um, you know, the blood aspect in the Hell in the Cell matches, like I had said earlier, a blood feud between these two guys. They've given Lesnar some leeway as of late. I hope they give a little bit of leeway tonight. Maybe we see someone opened up uh, for this definitive, hopefully this definitive final chapter. Um you know, again, it's one of those things, Dave, where the WWE didn't do it. But honestly, i got to thank you. You actually got me a little bit excited for this match because going back and watching those previous matches from, you know, 13 years ago, uh, it kind of like the final chapter brings on more meaning. Um, now, it, it's that, that for me now, it's that storytelling aspect versus what are they going to be able to do in the ring. Um, I don't know. Uh, you hear that Taker's doing all right. I hope Taker is healthy, and I hope he can bring it tonight. Uh, for a final chapter in this rivalry, uh, I, I hope he can bring it. Uh, to me, this is a very difficult match to pick um, because I, I can. it's almost like not so much which guy should win, but a loss is difficult to take from, from either guy. Um, there's this part of me that's leaning towards, uh, Taker, and he's the older guy, and he's he's going to do the right thing, and, and Lesnar's the guy who should win this feud, so he's going to drop this match tonight. There's part of me that thinks, well, the, the company's going to say, well, Taker's going to be around a little bit more. Um, he's going to win tonight. Uh, it, it's tough for me to call, but I, I'm going to go with, honestly, when I'm picking this match, I'm going to go with where I think they've been building towards and how they move forward, and especially their ESPN involvement, and I'm going to pick Lesnar in this matchup, although I could see Taker winning. It's a very it's, – it's a double-edged sword for me um, because some reports have come out recently that um, there's a good chance that whoever Brock Lesnar is facing at WrestleMania is somehow going to get involved in the finish of this match, costing him the match. Um, which I don't think is necessarily the smart move um, within the context of this story, this final encounter between Brock Lesnar and The Undertaker. We're coming off of a match at SummerSlam that had a pretty controversial ending with Undertaker tapping out. So my pick, I'm going to go with Brock Lesnar winning it. 
I think it would hurt The Undertaker's character if he won in tainted fashion tonight. Brock Lesnar de- definitively beats The Undertaker and ends this rivalry, and both men move on. Well, there you have it. We're agreeing with this. That is, you know, even though it's not the title, this is the main event. And uh, um, like I said, I mean, it might sound barbaric, but I hope they give these guys a little bit of leeway to, uh, you know, maybe open it up a little bit. Let's get a little bit of blood. And you know what? Even you guys, if you can, like, maybe accept the fines and just open yourselves up. Um, but I, I'm expecting a violent matchup. I'm expecting a brawl. Uh, hopefully it's entertaining, and hopefully Taker is as healthy as he can possibly be. Guys, we'll be back tomorrow night to recap what goes on on Hell in a Cell. Thank you all for tuning in. For Dave, I am Ken. Good night, everybody.